Hello everyone, welcome to Devo Team's Cloud Lounge and today we're talking about an interesting topic which is monolithic architectures. Back in the day in 2004 when I started my career with IT and I used to be a system administrator, one of my bosses often used to make joke about monolithic my problem child. Today with me I have our AWS technical lead Ingvar who's going to talk about how to break monolith and the use case from a large financial services that he has been working on. Ingvar, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Ingvar? Can you give us an audience a brief overview of what monolithic infrastructure looks like? Why is it, why was it built in the day? And what are the challenges with it as on day today? Yeah, sure. Uh, so monolithic infrastructure is essentially a single large system. It includes uh, all the components needed for application to run. And it can be like service servers, uh, databases, mm -hmm. and user interface. And in the past, it was commonly developed because it was a simple, straightforward approach to, to, to build an application. Though there are quite big challenges with it, like you have long lead times, you have fear of fail changes, the fail fast, fail often methodology of agile cannot be achieved with it. And one of the other problems with the idea of cloud technologies coming into the play is that customers are moving to more microservices and serverless technologies. And because of that, monolithic over a period of time has had a bad name. One of the main issues with monolithic infrastructure, because they are so tightly coupled with each other, each of the services, it is very hard to scale and maintain. Because of those, it can be hard to scale individual components of the systems or to separately as well. This can also lead to performance issues and slow response times as well we have seen for some of the projects that you've been working yeah, on. Yeah, that's right. And another issue is uh, that monolithic architecture is very difficult to deploy new features and updates without affecting the entire system. And uh, it increases risk of down, downtime and all yeah. the disruptions. Absolutely. And, um, and as well as monolithic systems can be hard to integrate with other systems and services, limiting the flexibility and extensibility. Oh, that kind of makes sense. But I believe uh, today we're talking about a large financial institution where you've done some uh, a proof of concept for an application to be migrated to Amazon Web Services. Yeah. What is the best uh, best practice or the approach that you generally take when you are attacking these kind of uh, problems for customers? Yeah, so the approach that kind of we chose was a strangler pattern. It's, it's, it's been around for several years, but absolutely uh, they kind of start introducing it into the cloud space. Uh, so we essentially kind of take data-driven approach and started kind of measuring the application usage, start to understand the application, analyze the patterns, and kind of categorize the API request into, into their own domains. That's kind of the first step to have a good understanding of the application. And uh, then plan when you plan for the actual migration is to it's important to have established some real time monitoring of your API usage, and then when you then kind of gradually reroute API requests from your monolith into microservices. I agree because when you're when you're talking about these kind of migrations, you want to go you want to take a data driven approach. We talk so we talk a lot about sustainability using IT sustainably and not over specking users resources as well. You'll eventually pay the right amount from the start itself. And I feel a lot of times customers want to take a data driven approach to these kind of migrations as such to identify what is my actual usage and go on from there. So. Uh, 
what's your approach in terms of how to do some of these kind of migrations? Yeah, so if you're looking at here, it's just an example uh, how we can implement strangle pattern for a migration. Um, so in this uh, example, you start with uh, just a re simple rehost of your uh, monolith, uh, the application on two EC2 instances. Okay. And to start up a micro migrated database into an RDS using your database migration services. And basically put a front, in front of the application, mm -hmm. have an API gateway, which is basically a file card on top of your application. And then it's going to reroute request in from the client using the API into that API gateway. So at that point, it's just the monolith with that API okay. on the front. Understood. That's now, is this something uh, that you do it for all, or this is just an example that you're giving? Is there a reason to do a rehost to AWS? Can't I just keep it on data center and still do the strangler pattern? Yeah, sure. So in this example, there were some compelling events, you know, there were data okay. center exits or the hardware infrastructure, on-prem infrastructure was uh, old and end of life. Understood. So there were limited time uh, you had to do the migration. Understood. Another option would be just to keep the monolith on the on-prem. And we just have load balancing between load balances between uh, on-prem and, and clouds. Understood. That's, that's a perfect. So, so if a customer has a compelling event, so for example, the data center exit has to happen in two months' time, you can't do a full-fledged re-architect of the application in two months. So you do this kind of a methodology wherein you rehost stuff to AWS and then you start moving things. In yep. terms of uh, in terms of what are the options for the customers available at this stage then? Yeah, so one popular alternative is uh, microservice architecture is in this, this example. Um, so with this, in this approach, um, the application is broken down into smaller independent services. Okay. You come back to the API, you know, understand your API request, what the domains are, and split that into individual microservices. And, and in this example, we're using containers on, on Kubernetes. Uh, so this basically allows for both flexibility and scalability. So you can, you can, develop your own service independently and scale it all independently. And if there's a change, you're just changing one small part of the system instead of the whole application. Okay. So in this case, you are re-architecting in, in your step two, where you're using some of the newer microservices then in that case. And how does your step three go on then? Yeah, so step so in, at step two, you do, do the iteratively, you can, you, Put, you might move one serve, you deploy one service uh, and reroute the request for those API requests. Mm -hmm. And then if you do that, and at the end, you basically route all the requests through the new microservice architecture and um, basically nothing coming to that monolith anymore. Understood. So, um, and is, is, is there a bit of a testing in and out that you have to kind of measure and take into account, like you you rewrite some part of the code, do you go ahead and test that out or do you just move ahead? What, what's yeah, the it's kind important of to have your, you know, have your CloudWatch, yeah, CloudWatch or any other third party yeah. monitoring, real-time monitoring, okay. monitoring the performance and usage, you know, make sure there's nothing, what, uh, you migrate all your APIs into the architecture. So that's, that's understood. That's so in your case of step three, what are you doing then in that case? Yeah, so like you said, we've integrated the API gateway to CloudWatch that you feel for your real-time monitoring. Okay. And uh, that's where you can monitor the usage and performance. And yeah, yeah, step three there, you can see that all the requests have been uh, routed through microservices and you can just safely and happily decommission the monolith. Decommission the monolith. Okay, in interesting. Now I understand that another alternate is 
for customers to use some of the RAM serverless architecture. In this case, you're using microservices, using containers. Customers can use serverless architecture as well. Do you think of any pros and cons versus doing a serverless or a microservices architecture? Uh, it, it depends. So often developers, they are kind of maybe familiar with a particular programming language. Understood. Then it's going to be suitable to use containers. Uh, and then, yeah, using serverless is a bit more uh, investment in development. I agree. Uh, whereas like, what well, obviously the benefits are you're not you're not uh, looking after your infrastructure or maintaining anything. It's I agree. More cost effective. I'm I'm glad that you brought up the investment topic because a lot of times when I speak to customers, they are everybody wants to do a re-architect. They want to do a re-platform. It's the initial the business case. A lot of times does not add up for it because there's yeah. an investment required. And again, a lot of customers would want to modernize their monolithic applications, but the constraints are not having access to the code. Sometimes people are not no longer in the business, and for them to start something from scratch, the Strangler pattern absolutely helps and keeps the business running at the same time. Yeah. But it's a cost investment. There are several. Uh, cases, uh, uh, business cases I have done where the return of investment does not add up in the sense. In return, ROI for a lift and shift of a monolithic application versus rewriting the application code for cloud can depend on various factors. For a rehost, the initial piece of work is just a quick turnaround moving to AWS. But however, your ongoing costs and your management of that in infrastructure is going to be expensive. Yeah, While absolutely. as when you yeah. look at a re-architect or a strangler pattern that you've shown, one of the things that does happen with it is that you can do some initial piece of work which might turn out to be expensive, but over a period of time, you get the return of investment. Mm -hmm. From I've taken liberty of a project that I've worked in my recent past, wherein this is a mid-sized complex application where I did two different quotations for a customer, the re-host versus re-architect. Like I said, the initial cost, the one-time cost is way less in re-host versus in a re-architect because you've got to understand the code, rewrite the code, use the strangler pattern. That takes investment. However, when you talk about the cloud consumption and the managed services, which is somebody managing that application from for the future, those costs are very low. For example, somebody using serverless architecture, unless and until an AWS region goes down, the application is always running for you. So in this kind of a case, as you see on your screen, in two and a half years, the customer actually recovered their money. So this is my appeal to customers wherein who are looking to do re-architect versus re-host, involve somebody from, from a professional partner from an AWS partner and identify what is the return of investment and how long can I get it? Because it's not just about investment. You're using innovation. You're moving more to different architectures. You're looking to get data analytics out of it. And those are the kind of things customers do look for in today's time. As you can see, I've taken some liberty to kind of put some costs together, 135K for a re-host and versus 121K for a re-architect. This was a dream uh, application. Not all the time things do work in that manner, but overall, over a period of time between three to four years for a complex application, you would have recovered your money and that things would be bad. So, Ingvar, how, how do you generally get started with these kind of things? I know you are working on this 
POC for the customer that we have showed today. And in a few months, we'll be talking a lot more about when the application is productionized. How do you generally get started with something like this? Yeah, so we so yeah, TOT, we have our migrate to modernize offering. Yeah, and uh, where we can take the customer through what, uh, how what's our approach is, our methodology, how it's, what's the journey look like, and uh, usually we start with an assessment, initial assessment, a little bit of work, discovery workshop with the customer. Oh yeah, I think uh, one of the beauties of this uh, assessment has been that we provide a report to the customer which aligns to their cloud strategy. We identify. Whether the why is the customer doing a re-architect versus a re-host, which is based on their business drivers and budgeting purposes. So I think it's a really good win in that sense, wherein we can help customers get a report out of it and a migration plan which is aligned to their cloud strategy. In that case, thank you, Ingvar. Thank you for being with me today. And I hope uh, in the next couple of months you can talk about the application that you're migrating in a productionized manner. And we should be able to show our audience something like that time. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you so much for joining you. us today. Thank you.